Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Look, I have such a packed night, like such a packed sermon to go through this evening, but I just want to know, have you been blessed this month on the, on the, on the life of faith, this whole series that we've gone through? Have you been blessed? Have you learned something that you've actually put to practice? Look, if, if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to go back to those teachings, re-listen and re-listen and apply those things. But let me tell you, even if you didn't try or plan to, this teaching this evening is extremely practical. And I want you to already prepare your mind to be an active participant and do out the word, not just a listener. You're not one of those people who would hear something, get excited, and just poof, next day it's gone. You're those who will put it to practice every day of your life and see tremendous results. Amen. Is that you? If that's you, shout loud, amen. amen. Glory to God. So the teaching for this night, I have to move very fast. There's so much to cover. The teaching for this night is faithful. Can you say that with me? Faithful. And it's not the spelling that is conventional. This is faithful, like someone who is foolish. And, and, and there are many reasons why I'm you know, using this term. And it's because when it comes to faith, faith is something that actually is very mysterious when you look at it. When you study it carefully, you realize that faith is not really a natural thing. Faith in its very definition, in its very center, is supernatural. It's beyond the natural. And sometimes, because of natural folks, the Bible tells us that the natural man cannot discern the things that are of the Spirit. But a spiritual man can determine the things of the Spirit. So to the natural man, there are some things that we will do as believers, because this is not our kingdom. The kingdom we belong to is the kingdom from above. And so there are things we will do, there are ways we will act, there are ways we will talk. And somehow people see those things and like, ah, these people, they've, <laughs> they've lost it. Something is wrong with this one, you know? Because it's supernatural. It's beyond the natural. All right? And sometimes because of your faith, people will label you a fool. People will think you are just silly. Like you should do something about your life and stop trusting in this imaginary being that you've concocted in your imagination. You know, do something with your life. And they don't realize that we actually are doing something with our lives. But that's the teaching. And what I want to achieve with this teaching is, is not just to show you how foolish faith can look like. I also want to teach you some very vital, practical, common sense things that you need to do so that your faith in God is not fruitless so that you actually see results to your faith you can trust God all you want there are certain things that if you don't do them you will never see results and I'm saying that very very specifically you will never see results you will never see that progress you want to see unless you do certain things are you interested to knowing what these things are if you are let's get right into the word amen glory to God let's start here go to the, this scripture Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 1 we're going to read till verse 2 hebrews 11 verse 1 you know this this is that scripture that literally introduces faith to us right so hebrews 11 1 to 2 are you there this is what it says and i'm going to read from the nlt version just to simplify it 
The KJV says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The NLT version says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It literally reveals the reality of what we hope for. So even what you, you know, the Bible says it somewhere also in Romans that if you have, if you have received something, there's no need to hope for it, right? So this is something you have not received yet, but you are hoping for it. But faith reveals the reality of what you're hoping for. It's almost like you have what you're hoping for, even though you don't physically and naturally have it. Do you understand? And the next part says, it is the evidence of the things we cannot see. Faith makes that which is intangible, tangible. Faith is what converts the unseen to the seen, even when you can't see it. Faith is that force that brings all things together for your good. Praise the name of Jesus. Um, and then verse 2 says, Through their faith, the people in the days of old, the patriarchs of the faith, earned a good reputation. And let me just highlight on this point. Many people are trying to have a good reputation with the Lord. And, you know, we have this dying question. By the time it's, it's time to close our eyes in sleep, in death, we have this burning question. What is the Lord going to say about us? What will God say? Will God say, welcome home, you faithful servant, come into your rest. What's he going to say? Ha, you tried to. You did well. I know. Now I saw you used to sweep church. I saw you used to walk on the protector. Nice one, nice one. But, you know, you could have done so much more. You know, there's this longing for us to know what is the reputation that we have with God. How does God see us? What is the reputation we have with God? How does he see us when he looks at us? Is he going to say, well done, you did great. You find out that what scores a good reputation with God is faith. He says the people of old literally had a good reputation. God was impressed with them. Their resume was, in, was impeccable because of their faith in him. Praise the name of Jesus. And I mean, it goes to say when verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to impress, to please God, to satisfy God. Do you understand? So at the end of the day, faith is the very core of who we are as believers. It's, it's a supernatural force. And sometimes it can look very foolish. You know, the world says that seeing is believing. We talked about this last week. The world says seeing is believing. But the word says believing is seeing. That's true sight. That you see the promises of God even though you haven't seen the promises of God. That you see the hope of, 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 of your inheritance even though you have not received it yet. But that kind of sight is the true sight. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. But I want to start with this story. A story that, that I feel many times we brush over too quickly when we read it. And, and I just want to encourage you, by the time we're done with this and done with Bible study, go back, read this account, put yourself in the situation, and just ask yourself, how would you have acted if it were you? This is a story in Acts chapter 3. We'll read from verse 1 to 10. And I can summarize. Peter and John had come to this place. And I'm telling you, this was a place that I believe they frequented. It was the temple. They were going to the temple to pray. And so they had those set times to pray in the temple. And they probably passed this place one or two times or three times. 
And there was this man who had been lame from birth. And, and historians believe they place his age around, you know, 40s, early 40s, late 30s, early 40s, right? So that was his age. He was, someone would bring him to the gate every single day. And what would he do? He would come here asking for money. It was a public space. Everywhere. It needed to be a public space because that's where he would get the big bucks, right? He was there, eagerly expecting things from people that passed by. And Peter and John passed by this place. Look at what it says. Um, verse 3, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple? He asked for arms. So, in fact, it's almost like these guys were not even <laughs> literally saying, John, I know we're going to do, what we're going to do today. We're going to save the world. You know, and you know, we started the guy at the beautiful gates. We get him healed. We cause some chaos. Preach the gospel. I don't believe that's how it happened. I believe they literally were just going to pray. And on the way, some guy stopped them. It was not planned. Some guy stopped them. Give me money, please. I need to survive. Give me some money. And how did they reply? Silver and gold I don't have. But this is where it blows my mind. A lot of us, put yourself in a situation. Let me just give you a very practical situation. Imagine you're on the road of Oshodi Road, right? In Oshodi in Lagos, Nigeria. And you're walking. And then there's this beggar on the street who is crippled, literally crippled, sincerely crippled, and is asking you for money. And you're in a hurry. And you've heard all those stories about how they'll give people money and they'll turn to yam, boah, they'll turn to goat, or you give them money. And when you get to your house, they'll be in your bathroom. <laughs> stories. I've heard things, you know, and, and then you're just either scared or you actually don't have money and you just walk away. But imagine you're in Oshidi area. There are people moving about. But you see this man who is not just in need of financial help, but in need of physical help. He needs to be able to walk again. He might not have told you I need to walk again, but you see that it's a need. And that need, once you solve that need, it solves a lot of things in this guy's life. How many of you would, would walk back, maybe even though you don't have money on you, you say, look, like Peter and John, silver and gold, copper and naira, I don't have, but I have something for you. I have something so spectacular, and I want to give it right now. Do you believe that right now, today, you can stand on your feet and walk forever till you die. Do you believe that? How many of you can actually stop in a market square where people are all around watching, seeing you interact with this guy, and you know that, see, if you flop, everybody will see you flop. If you lag go, everybody will see you lag go. If you try and bring this guy up and nothing happens, he's falling back down, and there will be mockery, there will be scorning. But also, you could bring this guy back up on his feet and he gets to walk forever. He gets to be healed completely from something he was born with. He never understood what it was like to run and feel the wind in his face as he ran. He never knew what it meant to jump. He never jumped on a bouncing castle or on a trampoline or he never rode a car or drove a bicycle. He never had those experiences and you, by your audacity, by your, if I may use in quotation, your foolishness, regardless of the odds around you and the stakes, that you look at this guy and say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. 
And you don't just say it and say, rise up and walk, you are healed in Jesus' name. I'll see you later. Thanks, bro. Chill, you know. See you later. Cool. And you walk away. But you actually look at him and say, let me help you up. Your healing has happened. Let me help you up. And you bring this guy up. And people who have known this guy from the very time he started till now, for several years, see this guy standing and it causes a remarkable chaos. This is exactly what happened. It was not planned. I need you to realize that it was spontaneous. This miracle was spontaneous, but it happened. It just goes to show that, look, at the end of the day, believers, look, we have a mandate to salt the earth and be a light in this dark world. We are those people. The exact replica, the same way Jesus went about doing good, delivering those who are oppressed of the devil. We have that same commission now. Whether you prepared or planned for it or not, you have a responsibility. And Peter and John did it. But I'm telling you, it was a big risk that they took. But they would rather be ridiculed in public than disobey God. Do you see that? And I hope that's the same with you. That you would rather be ridiculed on the, on the chance that, even if it doesn't work, you rather say yes to God in that moment and wait to try and see the miracle happen than not even try at all and just walk away from this guy. I really hope to God that that's, that's not you, that you will not just back off, but you will stand, even if you look like a fool, in faith with God, in faith to God, that you will believe for that kind of miracle. Everyone was watching. Praise the name of Jesus. But are you willing to act in faith? Because let me tell you, if you want to walk with God, you need to not limit him. If you want to walk with God, don't limit him at all. Don't put him in a box. You need to think big. You need to think beyond the ordinary. I'm going to share some stories with you that will blow your mind. Because you cannot keep God in a box. If you want to walk with him, see the extraordinary and have God use you in magnificent ways, you need to think outside the box. Because God is literally outside the box of time and space and matter. He is beyond anything we can imagine. And Ephesians 3.20 says it very right, very correctly. It says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. I love that phrase exceedingly abundantly above exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us that is the god you serve the one who does exceeding abundantly above so sometimes the exceeding abundantly above things are, are too high to imagine with little you with little resources with, with weak frail you and such a high, exceeding, abundantly above thing. And that's why the world thinks you're foolish. How do you think that a small person like you can stand in front of this, someone who has stage fright, who has stammering disability, who would have thought that a stammerer like Moses would be the leader of an entire nation, would be the spokesperson of a nation? It goes to tell you that God's method is exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Praise the name of Jesus. But you see, in all this, the whole point of this teaching is that in all these dramatic expressions of faith and you know, in all these things that, that have to do with your walk of faith with the Lord, 
there is a very strong place for common sense. There's a very strong place for common sense. There's a very strong place for wisdom. Yes, you should put faith in the Lord and trust Him with all of your heart, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and you will direct your path. He didn't say that you should just become stupid and lazy and irresponsible. Pardon my language. It's not, there's, there's, it's not either or. You can put faith in God and you can also do your part. And, and that's why the scripture in James chapter 3, open your Bibles there, James chapter 2, please open your Bibles there with me. I want to show you something very powerful. James chapter 2, from verse 18. Oh, glory to God, glory to God. The truth is, you can actually, you can be an actual uh, you know, you can actually be a, you you can be a faithful, like a person who is deemed a fool for their faith. You can be a faithful or an actual fool, and, and the difference between this is the one who applies common sense alongside his faith, who backs up his faith with the right actions. Because many people and many Christians have actually misplaced wisdom. They've, they've misplaced wisdom and they've suffered many things that they don't, they don't have to have. And now they have to use faith to solve problems that faith, you know, really they need um, the faith or the miraculous to make that thing so. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'll give you examples for you to understand what I'm saying. Do you understand? Um, look at James chapter 2 from verse 18. We'll read to verse 20. But someone will say, you have faith. And I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. There's a difference in those terminologies. Some, some people will say, you have faith, I have works. Faith works for you, that's fine, but my works work for me. Right? Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Do you understand? What, what the writer... It's saying here, what James is saying here is, look, it's not an either-or situation. I can show you that I believe in something by my actions. You know, faith literally is belief and it's trust in something. If I trust my girlfriend, if you trust your boyfriend, and every time you're snooping through the person's phone, Every time, you know, you just say, ah, babe, I just want to take a selfie, okay? Can I just, can you help me unlock your phone? You know, you just, as you're doing the selfie, your finger is moving. Babe, why did you call this person babe? I thought I was your only babe. What's going on? Ah, no, just, babe is just a general term for general, okay, all right. What about this one? Why did you use heart shape? Am I not the, the owner of your heart? You are giving your heart to somebody else. You know, all those insecure things. If you truly trust someone, you won't do those things. You'll be secure. You would show it by your works. If I, I use this example very commonly. If, if you bring two people to me and these two people tell me, I believe I can fly. And you know, one of them, maybe their name is R. Kelly, for example. And they, they believe they can fly. The first one sings the song, I believe I can fly. Oh, 
I believe I can fry plantain. You know, and he he does that excellently, sings beautifully. And the other guy, on the other hand, says, I believe I can fly. Opens the window, jumps, climbs the balcony and the railing and wants to jump. I say, ah, brother, I believe you. <laughs> Come down, please. Because the other one didn't show the actions that prove his faith. The one, on the other hand, who wanted to jump out proved somehow that he actually believes. I don't know if he can fly, but he believes he can fly. He really believes he can fly. Do you understand? So he goes on to say, verse 20, But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? He says, oh, foolish man, faith without works is dead. So you can actually be a fool rather than being faithful. Praise the name of Jesus. And it's all about the actions that back it up. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to share some biblical examples of people who showed great faith, who had some sort of foolish faith that brought results. But I want to also bring some balance to these different aspects of life uh, where those common sense, wise, practical things help your faith in the Lord. All right. And, and we'll just save you a lot of stress that you need not have to put faith to believe in certain things. Praise the name of Jesus. So the first thing I'll talk about is provision. Provision when it comes to plenty and providence and and having surplus and having money and having finances and having food and shelter. I'll give you some examples, some very strange things. And that's why I said never ever cage God in your life. Don't put him in any box because he will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. First Kings chapter 17. Very interesting story. And this, oh man, don't worry, we'll read it. First Kings 17. Open your Bibles. Don't don't wait for me. Don't wait for anyone to send it on the, on the comment section. Open your Bibles, whether on your device or your physical Bible. First Kings 17 from verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. All right, are you with me? The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Live here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook. And I have, look at this, yikes, so there's water there. There's a water dispenser at this ravine at the east of Jordan. You will drink from it. And I have, (laughs) talk about room service. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Ravens. Just so you know what ravens are, these are birds, literally. Verse 5, so he did what the Lord told him. That, 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 that is faith. God tells you, look, you, you don't have food, you don't have water. Go to this place. There's water there at the brookside. It makes sense, right? But when you think about it, the east side of Jordan, it's, it's a river. As much as it's flowing um, in those areas, you have salt water, which is not good for consumption. But still, God says, go and drink. It'll be fine. And that's more believable. There's water. But he said, and oh, that's right. Food, right? Uh, hmm. What can I do? Ah, ravens. Okay, these birds, I'm going to instruct them to be delivering food for you, you know, at your house. Jumia food. That was the first invention of Jumia food, just so you know. Uh, I gave you that free of charge, okay? Just remember. I will send these ravens to deliver it to you. Every day, 
my goodness. And he did what the Lord said. No complaints. Got a rip. Okay. No. He just said, okay. I'm going to look what happened. He went there and stayed there. Verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So he ate in the morning. He literally ate hamburger. See, God is... You think we are creative? <laughs> Jumia food here. Water dispenser here. Hamburger <laughs> here. Literally, bread and meat. This guy enjoyed it to his full. I'm just like, man, God is, God is just amazing. But imagine you called Elijah a day before. Like, Elijah, I had... You know, supper has caught you. No food, no water. Have fun now. What, what thing you, you go do? I just want to go to that side, that uh, river. I'll be drinking the water there. Some birds will be bringing food for me. Sorry, come on, Sava. <laughs> come again. What did you just say? No, no, don't worry. It's fine. Some birds are bringing food for me. No, don't worry. I'm, I'm okay. I don't understand. It, it, it sounds foolish. But God uses the foolish things to confound those who think they are wise, right? Look at this. As you go further, so that ran out. Verse 7 tells us that all of that ran out. And then the word of the Lord came unto him. Verse 8. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded. This, the Lord is so... Don't doubt the fact that God can instruct people on your behalf. God can negotiate with people on your behalf just for, the, for your, your preservation. Just so that you have what, what you need. God still does it today. He said, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went. And I love, I love this. I mean, this guy was just like, see, Lord, where you go, I follow. He went to Zarephath. And Zarephath is, is a place between Sidon and Tyre. It's modern-day Lebanon, right? Uh, so he went there, he came to the gate of the city, and there was a widow there who was gathering firewood and sticks. And he called to her and said, Please, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Verse 11. And as he, she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And like, you came to somebody's house and you're turning her to house, house help, you know. Bring me water, bring me bread. And he, these are the things that... He was enjoying right back then and then verse 12 she said ah as the lord your god lives sees literally she's saying i swear i do not have bread only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see i'm, I'm gathering a couple of sticks my final sticks that may go in prepared for myself and my son that we may eat it and die and this story is a double double conjure in the sense that it this was god providing for two people in this story maybe i say if you include the son three people but two parties two different parties god used an act of obedience and faith to supply for both of these people both of them had to apply faith in the situation and look at this verse 13 elijah said to her do not fear just go and do as you have said but make a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. 
For thus said the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil, and in that act he is prophesying, the jar of the oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. You remember this was the period when there was no rain, there was famine, there was drought in all the land. Verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and, she and he and her household ate for many days. That was supposed to be her last meal, but her household ate for many days. And verse 16, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Praise the name of Jesus. It sounds foolish, but it works. It works. Don't limit God. These are not Old Testament stories that don't apply anymore today. I'm telling you these things work. If you're talking about the story of Jesus who fed the 5,000, that is miraculous. He blessed the bread and from one, uh, from five loaves and two fishes, he, he, he shared to 5,000 plus people. And there were reports of actual missionaries, and I've shared this one time before, of, of a missionary group that was stranded. They were hiding from the army of that land who was Islamic, trying to persecute them. They were hiding, they didn't have anything, but the only thing they could snatch while they were running away was a few pieces of bread, a few pieces of flat bread. And in that moment, you know, this lady, Heidi Baker, you know, filled with the spirit, was like, I feel that with this we can last as, as much as we can away from these people, and God will supply for us. And she said to break the bread, and share the bread, and share the bread. She described it as she was pulling out more bread. It just never stopped. It just never stopped. They left a few there. The next day, they kept pulling until the the whole press, um, the whole chaos that was happening had subsided. They had all that they needed for her and the children that she escaped with. It's real. It still happens today, people of God. But let me bring some common sense to this aspect of provision. When it comes to provision, so that you don't spend all your time praying and fasting and going to, to the mountain and going to Shiloh and just spending so much time. When it comes to provision, number one common sense thing to do, get a job. Yes, I said it. Get a job, a good job. See, don't expect money to draw from the, Like, what are you expecting? If you pray that God provide my needs, it just means, ah, oh, my son, and the heavens opened, and the package from heaven with the parachute dropped at his doorstep. Behold, this is my beloved child in whom I'm delivering a nice package of pizza and KFC chicken. No, it's not going to happen. That's not how God provides. How God provides is through people, through channels, through things like a job right and the bible is very clear on this first Timothy 5 8 says that you know if anyone cannot provide for his home especially those of his own house he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel it's a serious thing and it, i don't believe it's just for the man by the way i believe it goes both ways if both parents or both partners cannot in one way cater to the needs of their household they literally are an infidel right 
worse than an infidel. And an infidel means an unbeliever. Because you, you must work to eat. That's the principle of life. After, I mean, I mean, after the fall, that's how it happened. Adam had to work and toil to eat. That's how it happened. All right, but look at it. You know, the Bible is very clear on this. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Like, get a job. Now is the time to work hard. And I won't forget, one of my mentors in the business world would always say this. He would say, he said, he would say I work very hard now so that I can be lazy in the future. And of course, with that kind of work ethic, you really never be lazy in the future. But what he was trying to say is that, look, now is the time to sow. Sow as much as you can. Now that you have the energy, the physical strength, there will be a time that your reaping will come and you will benefit from the wealth of what you have sown. Do you understand? So work hard. Look, if you're going to get a job, it means you need to have, you know, you need to tidy up your CV. You need to tidy up your CV. You need to get a good job that won't steal your time, your life, your devotion. You need to get a job that makes sense. You don't settle for less. Go for a very good job. If they say they want to pay you, I'm trying to be as practical as possible. They want to pay you 50K. That makes sense. If you know that what you get for 50K, you get a lot in, in the training you get, the experience, that's okay. But don't ever settle there. Do you understand? Push yourself. Get a good job. That's how God provides. <laughs> it sounds funny, but that's how it is. God provides to get in a job. Don't sit around. Don't be lazy. Don't give up. If you've been trying and you've been looking, if this is you, go again. I'm telling you, people are saying there are no jobs. There are jobs. There are jobs. In the past two weeks, and I'm not lying, the past two weeks, people, seven, at least seven people I know personally just got new jobs. Seven. That I know that I've that I asked basically. It, there are jobs, I promise you. Even if there's a global recession, there will be jobs for you because you're different. Amen. But I mean, if you're also starting a business, and this brings me to the next point, in case you're not getting a job, you need to acquire relevant skills. Acquire relevant skills. See, don't be surprised if you and an unbeliever go for an interview. And after the selection process, the unbeliever is selected. Don't be surprised at all if you don't have the skills for that position. Imagine you're going for a back-end developing role and all you know how to do is front-end stuff and UI UX design. You will not get the role. It's not by magic. Someone that had five years of experience, then you have zero. It's not magic now. You know, how favor works is like, favor is like a candle, like a lamp stand. And your skills and your abilities are the light on the lampstand. If the if there is no light, nothing will shine. Favor is just a pedestal to help your abilities shine. Do you understand that analogy? It helps show what you have. If you don't have anything, there's nothing to show. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you, the, the the skills are important. If you're not going to get a job and you want to start a business, you need to know everything there is to know about business development. How to write a business plan, how to raise funds, how to pitch your ideas for investors, how to build from scratch, how to build a startup, how to raise capital. Let it be that you have all the knowledge you need, all the skills you need, and all that is left is funds. Let that be that you know what the governmental process is of starting, how to register, that you know every single thing except the funds. That, that's all you're waiting and believing God for. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is important. 
this is important. These are common sense things. This is how God provides. God cannot be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Galatians 6, 7. You will reap what you sow. It's not magic. This is how God provides. Another thing, number three. So number one is get a job. Number two is acquire relevant skills. Number three is invest wisely. Invest wisely. So yes, money is coming in. Question is, how are you spending the money? Are you saving? The, the, literally, this is common sense stuff, but it worked during the days of famine in Egypt. This was the concept of saving and investment. Where Joseph, by the miraculous, had a dream that there, were two, there was a famine coming and they needed to save. That was practical. The same work for it. The famine was still going to come, but God preserved them with wisdom. Do you understand? So you need to save, invest in the right things at the right time. Whether it's real estate, it maybe it's low risk, medium risk, high risk investment. Just be smart about it. But you must invest. You must save at least. You must save at least. Invest in, in people as well. Use your money wisely to invest in people. There's some people you invest in that you will change their lives. And because of your contribution to them, you, you, you will just have that sense of satisfaction and somehow God can even use them to favor you in turn. Of course, that's not the motivation, but it's important to invest in people. There are people that need your support. There are people who are trying to do things that you have only aspired to do, but they're doing it. So you need to invest in people. You need to also invest in the right causes, whether it's ministry, whether it's an organization, invest in the right places. If you know someone or some organization that is doing what your heart you, you know, longs for and is in line with your values as a believer, support. Alright, but that's just by the way. But just remember that in all of this, don't forget that you, you need to still trust God for favor. So this is not a replacement to faith. This is just common sense to help you even as you're trying to you know, make sure provision is consistent in your life. Number two, when it comes to delays right delays i'll give you an example we talked about provision now we're going to delays so there are times where faith is necessary to believe god even when what you're believing for has not happened and it's taking too long now remember this man in the bible who built a very big boat you know and he did that because god told him that he was not happy with the world in fact the description was that the sin of the world had reached it had reached the brim and started to overflow it was that bad it says the occupation of the of the mind of man was evil every time the world was corrupt it was dangerous all things were happening and god wanted to start afresh and told this guy look build an ark i know you've never seen rain before and historically rain hadn't happened then water would irrigate the plants and crops from within you know and historically that never happened and god is giving him some telling him something that never happened that i'll flood the entire earth with water it would reach as high as mountains and it's going to rain from the sky from the clouds those clouds you see up there there'll be clouds that will form and rain will pour and this is a man who had never seen this happen but still trusted God and said, okay, you know what, I will do this. And guess what? And, and I have reason to believe that this is how long it took. But you know, when you see a hint in Genesis 6 verse 3 where it says, my, my spirit will not tire with man for more than 120 years. Some people have said, you know, that's the lifespan 
the man will start to have because after Shem, you know Ham, one of the children of Noah, or is it Shem? I can't remember. Who lived up to five hundred years after the time of Moses? Moses lived for one twenty, and after that, the 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 age range, the lifespan started to go around that age. But I, I believe that this was specific to the grace period that he was given to those people in that time. It took was around when Noah became six hundred that the floods actually came. So almost a century it took him to build this ark. Imagine 100 years of your life to build something and there is no single sign of that thing even happening yet. Like there's no sign. Imagine going every day with your family to build this ark. Everyone is having fun. People are going to the cinemas. People are having fun shopping and living their lives and you are just slaving away under the heat of the sun. Nothing like the rain. People have never heard what rain is and rain is coming to wipe them out. Come on. He looked foolish, but at the end of the day, it happened. Even despite the delay, he kept his faith in the Lord. And Hebrews eleven seven talks about it. He said, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. That's what the Bible says. He warned him of things that never happened before. So it, it really was commendable that he believed God. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, there are certain things that seem like delay in our lives. It might not be a flood in your case. It might be maybe a stubborn child. that some. And by the time many of you start to have kids... You know, you start to understand this more. That maybe if you're believing God for a child, then you just want to, to know the Lord. You, you know, th- their behavior is terrible. Maybe you've been single for a long time. You've been eating a lot of Pringles. That's why, by the way. Eating a lot of Pringles. And because of that... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. But you've been single and it's been delaying. You're like, God, what's going on? Is nobody seeing me? I did not check him. Like, what is wrong with me? It's delayed for a long time. Let me give you some common sense thing. Are you, do you want to hear this one? People of God. Amen. But let me just talk about the parenting time. The truth is this. There, there are long prayers that people have about family and friends and ro- romantic relationships that can actually have been solved by just the right knowledge and intentionality. Not prayers. Like, the right knowledge... And intentionality as good as prayer is so number one I'll just say that learn to parent well if it's maybe a parent to a child that is stubborn learn to parent well learn to parent well um, I believe that about 80% of the vices and the crimes and the hurts that we see in society are, are as a result of bad parenting what do you think I believe that the things we are seeing of people who are criminals and hoodlums and prostitutes and doing all these things are doing because they didn't have the right family structure and parenting to hold them accountable and give them the right values. Many of them came from dysfunctional families. And I believe if everyone, which really is not practically possible, but if everyone had the right values for parenting and was heavily invested in the training of their children, I'm telling you this world would be a better place. I'm telling you. And I'm telling you even for non-religious folks, I know a lot of non-religious folks who just had the right understanding that it makes sense to wait till you're married before you have sex. It makes sense not to steal. It makes sense not to 
and indulge in hard drugs. It's not healthy. Why do you want to be enslaved by a substance? It doesn't make sense. People just have these values, not even religiously, even though they don't realize that they are undertones in, 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 in scriptures. Morality is hinged literally in, in the belief in God. But many of these guys are not religious and they've trained their children that way and they've raised astounding children. There are literally men and women out there who have learned to be faithful to their partners, not because they read the Bible or believe in Jesus, because of their parents. But both what they saw their parents do and what they heard their parents say. So this is something that can be learned and should be learned. Don't wait till you have a child to you now say, let me learn how it is. Let me wing it. You wing But <laughs> the child of your child grows wings and talents and talents, you know. So the truth is this. I mean, I just think of the average American parent. How instead of advocating for abstinence, they advocate more for protection, for contraceptives. If you watch the movies, you see it too. And, and even me interacting with a couple of parents, it's like, oh, you're having sex? Oh, okay, there's nothing I can do. Just make sure you're protected. That, that's not parenting. Uh, anyways, I, I, I digress. But Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should grow. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's still very true. It's still very true. There is an active and in, in, intentional education um, that, that people need to go through, right? Every potential parent needs to go through that. You parent them through prayer, you get counseling, you, you, you decide to correct the mistakes of your own parents. You, you need to be present with them. Do you understand? You need to be present with your kids. You're not just going to be a teacher to them, you need to also be a friend to them. A lot of us, and maybe you can relate, I don't know about you, but a lot of us can relate to the fact that, you know, you just, I wish I were actually closer to my parents. You just have that in your mind. I actually wish I were closer to my dad. I, I wish I knew my mom and my mom knew me. I wish we had that relationship going on for us. But we can make that difference. We know better. We, we know the places where we were silenced and shut up, where we couldn't speak. Now we know we need to let our children speak. Now we know we need to let them be heard. Now we know we need to teach them these things and not just tell them what, but to tell them why. Like, do this because it will do this. Don't do this because it will result in this. That's what we need to learn. And if you do these things, you don't need to be raising prayer points, going to Shiloh. Lord, that my child, the child of, of Jezebel, the child of King, all those things are, are unnecessary. Right? Common sense can save you. Wisdom can save you. Number five, when it comes to relationships now, maybe you've been eating a lot of Pringles, and learn how to socialize. If you, if you don't want to be single, you need to learn to mingle. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. So you need to learn how to socialize. Don't be praying in your room, in the bedroom, in the hidden corner. <laughs> You're far away from from civilization, far away from everywhere. And you're hoping that somehow your Prince Charming will knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. I have a glass slipper for you. Can you wear it? If it fits, then you're mine. <laughs> Wake up. It doesn't happen in real life. If you want to find people, find the right person, you go out there. Go out there. Look for excuses to be places and not anywhere. I'm not saying go to a club, a nightclub. I'm not saying no, no, no. 
if you want the right kinds of people, you know the right places to go. Go to your grow groups, amen, Vivify. You have uh, groups in your own, in your family churches, in places that you know you have great caliber of people. Put yourself out there. Let them see you. How can they chase you if they don't see you, woman of God? Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> How can you see them if you're not out there, man of God? Glory to God. So at the end of the day, don't just be isolated. Go out there. All right? Socialize. And, and beyond that, aside from going out, if you, even if you go out, that's not where it stops. We just go out and say, here I am. You may approach me. You need to learn how to have conversation. You need to have a good sense of humor. You need to not come off as judgmental. You need to feel like home to people. You need to have know how to, even if it means you practice conversation. Hi, how are you? You learn how to smile. Even though you never knew how to smile properly, learn. Know how to say these things. Know what to say. How to bring conversation and get it going. Learn these things. These are common sense things. If you do these things, your prayer points will get shorter, I promise. And then... Part of this is, apart from socialization, socialization, maintain a very neat and healthy appearance. Maintain a neat and healthy appearance, right? Take care of yourself. Carry yourself with poise, right? Look good. Talk good. Walk good. You know, brothers and sisters, please use deodorant every day. It's not optional. It's not periodic. It's not when you feel like to save the world, as Jesus has commanded you to. This is one of the things you have to do. You need to use deodorant. Praise the name of Jesus. Like you pray for the sick, you know, you know, you're praying for the sick, and people are falling under <laughs> another type of anointing. Use deodorant, and don't you? You're not using perfume to replace it. I know this doesn't sound like a conventional kind of teaching, but this is common sense. Don't go and use perfume and replace deodorant. They are different. They have different functions. Am I preaching good, people of God? Yes, sir. Glory to God. Use the deodorant. Use it well. If it finishes, you will save money and buy. It's fine. Amen. God is not mocked. What you sow? No, don't sow. You will reap. Um, wash your clothes, guys. Wash your clothes and iron them neatly. Right? Iron them properly. Change your sponge and your toothbrush at least every quarter. Every three months, please. Please, like, take care of yourself. Visit the dentists often. Let, let your teeth look good. Your parents, comb, cut your hair. Clean shave, nice, you know, look good. Presentable, dress well, don't wear oversized clothes. These are practical things. I, I don't want to get, this is not a relationship session, but please just apply wisdom to these things. Yo, I'm telling you, you can use your faith for other things <laughs> and not with using the, the hundred over 90 percent of your faith for this one you know this practical things can help now we've talked about provision we've talked about delays maybe delays in in all these things but now let's talk about healing all right if you're believing for healing and you know and there's a disease and all of that we see that Peter and John did that for the healing. They believed, they put faith in God, and they saw a healing. But there are some common sense things, wise things to do to even prevent a need for a healing, right? Number one is be mindful of your health. And maybe this is the only point. Be mindful of your health. 
To be mindful means you are thinking about it carefully. Many of you go about your day, you don't value your health. When was the last time you went for a checkup at the hospital? When was the last time? When was the last time you did a medical scan? You checked how your body was functioning. For those of you, maybe you dabbled into sexual things. Have you checked if you had any STDs? I know this sounds embarrassing, but this is, this is real. This is real stuff. Have you, uh, because many times when it comes to these treatments, any detection saves. It saves lives, you know? Check. Is your blood sugar good? How is your blood pressure? So you know what to do, what to cut off, what to start doing. Do you understand? You, you need, to, as much as we believe in the divine healing and, 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 and the power of God, we also believe in the power of sense. Amen. Power of common sense. Exercise regularly. Watch your diet. Eat healthily. Alright? Drink water very often. Your body is made of 70% of water. You need water. Your body needs it. Amen. God, see, God wills. It is His will that you take care of His temple, which is your body. Take care of His temple. Even if it's not for you, do it for Him. Amen. And then the last thing I'll just mention is during the hard times and, and insurmountable odds, when it's so difficult, faith is very important. And one person, and I wish I had time, right, when it comes to the hard times, if there's one person that, that really stayed his faith in God throughout the whole process of his sufferings, it's Paul the Apostle, no one else but Paul the Apostle. Uh, just on your, at your free time, read Second Corinthians chapter 11. He was trying to defend his apostleship and he explained the things he had to go through. No man of God, literally in the sense of what is known to be man of God, should go through that. Men of God should be highly revered, right, and respected and honored with flashy things and nice, comfortable living. That was not Paul. The exact opposite. And he started to narrate these things and he said, see, even though I suffered all these things, I boast in my weaknesses. I bo- Who does that? He said, you know, imagine God just called you. You received an 18-hour vision that God called you to change the world. Or maybe in Paul's case, a light shone. You are blinded by it. You heard a loud voice. It was dramatic. And God says, look, I'm going to be with you. You know, gives you this grand ministry, this commission. You will change lives. You will preach the gospel in nations. You have my support. I will be with you till the close of age. But everywhere you go, there's opposition. Everywhere you go, they hate you in Jerusalem. They hate you in Corinth. With the Gentiles, the Jews, you are hated, you are beaten, you are stoned almost to the point of death. And some people believe he was actually killed at some point and brought back to life. You were shipwrecked three times. You were hungry without food. You were naked. You were cold. You suffered every place. And God said he's with you. How? God, how are you with me? Don't tell me that. Don't give me that nonsense. You are with me and I'm suffering. Am I, am I your stepson? What's all this? But Paul did not see it that way. He said, look, see, even in these trials, I boast in my weaknesses because there I find his strength. Naturally speaking, I shouldn't have survived these things. Normally speaking, I should not have survived these things, but the strength of the Lord kept me through. My grace is sufficient for you, he said to Paul. That was someone who had that experience. When you talk about David, when it comes, to, when, he, when he came to insurmountable odds, David 
killed Goliath with stone and a sling. Stone and a slingshot. Killed this guy that was big. He took he, he just challenged him. You come with swords and spear, and I come with to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, of this host of, of, of the armies of God that you have defied. Killed this guy, brought him down. But when it feels like things are going tough, there are some things that you need to remember. Number one, when you're going through very hard times, number one, relearn what it means to be patient. Relearn what it means to be patient. This is common sense stuff. Relearn what it means to be patient. Faith and patience, patience go hand in hand. Learn what it means to be patient. Number number two, keep doing what God's last instruction was till a new one comes. Keep doing what God had told you. Keep at it. Give it your energy. Give it your all till the next instruction comes. It might seem like you know it's a terrible time. Whatever it is that God has told you or promised you, hold on to it till the next one comes. Next one is sometimes go back to the drawing board. Sometimes when things are hard, it's not because you, you know God wants to teach you a lesson and build you up. Sometimes it's just because you're in the wrong path. Sometimes you made the wrong move, you made the wrong choice, and that's why things are actually very hard. So go back to the drawing board, retrace your steps, check that you are actually on the right path. And number next, number four, don't despise your process. Be thankful, be content in your process. No matter how long it is, just know that it's doing you some good. Your process might take years, while for some people it takes months. Don't despise your process. I'm saying that to someone. Don't despise your process. Be grateful for it. Don't, your process is vital. It's golden. Look at Romans chapter 5 from verse 1 to 5. I'll read it very quickly. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we also do what? Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. What glory means to rejoice? We rejoice in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And good character produces hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Guys, it tells you that tough times, tribulations, hard times build you up. They build perseverance. They build patience. They build good character. They build hope in you. It's good for you. That's what he's saying. And Paul understood this. He experienced this. Don't despise your process. Learn what it means to be patient. Patience is good. Things are not always supposed to be bam, bam, bam. Just because someone experienced that and it was this, bam, boost, bass, boost, best, a mold in a very seamless sequence doesn't mean it'd be the same for you. And it's okay. Your process is unique. It is beautiful. And it is making you better. Can I hear a loud amen? Praise the name of Jesus. In James chapter 1 from verse 2 to 4 says, My brethren, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. Look at it. It said, See, your faith produces patience. 
He said, but let patience do its work. It's doing something in you. Patience is like this force that, that works on your endurance, that makes you stronger than you were before. Those of you who have worked out, you know what it's like. You know what it is for you to see how you were and to keep doing something every single day or every other day, hoping for some result that you're not even seeing right now, but you'll probably see four months, five months down the line. That's what patience, patience helps you build endurance. It's not that you do it one boom. Imagine that was how it was. <laughs> and I wish sometimes that it was like that. You eat all your hamburger, your pizza, bam, you go to the gym one day, boom, 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 go back in shape. I wish God why. Why is it not like that? But that's not how it is. There is patience. There is, there is patience that we have. God has given us this gift called patience. It brings endurance, the Bible says. So let patience have this perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You can actually be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, because the agent called patience. It's having its work in you. You know the saying that it's a tough people. Um, uh, how does it say? Tough, tough times don't last, but tough people do, right? When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. This is a more biblical perspective to that. That patience makes you tough, makes you stronger. And when these tough times, you know, expire, you you stay, you remain. Praise the name of Jesus. But when it comes to insurmountable odds like David, where you, you have Goliath in your life, like, how can I possibly achieve anything? One word I will say to you, dear believer, dear friend, is remember that the one who commissions gives provisions. The one who commissions gives provisions. He will always equip you with what you need to overcome that giant. He uses what you have and multiplies it. He uses the five loaves and the two fish and multiplies it. He uses the slingshot and the stone and multiplies the, the, the acceleration of the stone as he hits the giant. He uses all that you have for his glory. So exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think, that is the God you serve who will use what you have to achieve what is impossible to achieve with what you have, but because of his imputing it, he will make it happen. Remember that the one who commissions gives provisions. He will always give you what you need to do the task. If, if you, so your parents are sending you to buy bread, go and buy me bread. He's going to give you the money to buy the bread. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is the God we serve. Look, a sling and a stone will always take out the giants in your life. The sling and the stone represent what you have. Bring it to the table. Bring it to God. He will use it and multiply it for his glory. Praise the name of Jesus. To summarize everything I've said, while there are times you need to step out in faith and look like a fool, even when it doesn't make sense, where people, you know, you, you, you for example, you, <laughs> somehow God tells you to go to a company you never applied they didn't call you for an interview, but God told you to go there, just dress up and go. Somehow, somehow it will happen and you just go. It doesn't make sense. Your parents are like, what are you doing there? They didn't invite you, you're going. But somehow God told you to go. You believe it, you went. And somehow you were going and you mistakenly, you know, a car mistakenly hits you. The guy comes out to apologize, sees you, 
you know, brings you into this camp, just giving up, bringing up a scenario that actually happened to someone. Um, he almost hits you, he invites you in, talks to you, and beknownst to you, the person talking to you in the car is the owner of the corporation, has a conversation with you, just by listening to you, sees that they need someone like you in their company, offers you a job. Look at that, look, see, with God it might not make sense, it might seem foolish, but always take the step of faith. But these steps of faith don't negate the fact that you should be applying for a job. Do you understand what I'm saying? Doesn't mean you should do your you shouldn't do your own due diligence. Doesn't mean you shouldn't put in the work so that by your works you can prove your faith in God. Praise the name of Jesus. I hope this has helped. There's common sense, there's wisdom. And the Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, ask God. James 1 5. Um James 1 uh, 5 to 7. Anyone who lacks wisdom, he will give it. He doesn't operate, he gives it freely, liberally. So receive it from God. Receive it from God. He will guide you, he will, he will give you the things to do. But from the things we've learned, apply your heart to wisdom, people of God. Apply your heart to wisdom, you're going to see mighty, bountiful results in your life. In Jesus' name. Can you just join me in prayer right now? And what are you going to do right now? I want you, first of all, to just express your faith in the Lord. Let Him know that, God, I believe you. I believe that you can do exceeding abundantly above. I'm sorry for the times when I've made you too small in my eyes. Be magnified, oh God, be magnified. Made you too small in my eyes. I've put you in a box. I have stopped your work unknowingly by my own belief. I felt like it was too much for you. I felt like it was too much for me as well. I felt like I was not qualified. I felt like I couldn't do this. I felt like I was not worthy enough. But Lord, now I know better. I know that you are the God who calls, who, who qualifies the called. I know you are the one who does exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. You are an able God. You are able. You are able. You equip. And I trust you. I'm sorry for putting you in the corner. Lord, I stay in the backseat. Lead the way all through. Where you go, I follow. What you send, I will obey. Like Elijah, you gave him just a simple word for something that has never happened, that makes no logical sense. Yet he went. Yet he went, knowing that God will be faithful that promise. And so I judge you faithful right now. I judge you faithful that promise. I'm not putting you in any box anymore. I trust you with all of my heart. Are you praying, people of God? Express your trust in God right now. Thank Him because you trust Him. The kind of, of miraculous manifestation, the exceeding abundantly above type, that is the one you're going to experience from now henceforth because you trust in a God that is faithful. It might seem foolish. It might seem like it doesn't make sense. To the natural man, it's stupid. But the God who uses the foolish things to confound the wise is the God you serve. So God, I am, I, I am I'm willing to be foolish. I'm willing to be foolish for your glory. If it means following you, I choose to be foolish. I choose to be foolish if it means following you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I'm going to pray this second prayer. Lord, help me to apply my heart to wisdom. Help me to use common sense and the wisdom of the Almighty in situations where, where I ought not to labor in prayers, whereas I'm supposed to labor in action. Help me, Lord, to discern 
help me to know where to retrace my steps, help me when to accelerate some more. Just give me wisdom, God. Give me wisdom. You who does not upbraid wisdom but gives it liberally, give me wisdom tonight. Give me wisdom tonight. I can never have too much wisdom. Give me some more. Help me to know what to do next. Creative ideas to just know what to do. I'm not just going to sit back and just say, I trust you, I trust you and do nothing. I want your wisdom to direct me to do the right actions. And I don't want to just be busy doing all sorts of things and activities. I want to do the right activity. I want to take the right path. I want your wisdom to guide me to the right decision. In the name of Jesus, help me, God. Let your wisdom come upon me afresh again. Help me to do exploits with the wisdom from on high. In the name of Jesus, God is giving someone that's it someone has received some some supernatural wisdom right now pray pray it will save you i promise you it will save you in a day of danger in the in the day where you feel backed up it will save you wisdom thank you jesus that's it it's coming upon you the wisdom of god is yours hallelujah it is yours in the name of jesus ah thank you father thank you lord in jesus mighty name we have prayed Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. The Lord is instructing me to pray for someone that that the delay you are facing is not one that is based on a lack of ability on your part. It's a, it's a demonic operation. The devil is holding it stagnant. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I release every demonic-inspired delay in your life. Everything that the devil has held back, where you ought to be 10 steps ahead, but you're still in square one, in the name of Jesus, I break those holds right now. I liberate you from the hold of the enemy. I break those chains. I break those fences. There is freedom for you to walk in the plans of God. There is freedom and liberty for you to go to where God has promised in the name of Jesus. I pray for quick resources going your way where the devil has once blocked them off. Where the devil has convinced people not to, to, to participate and partner and provide. In the name of Jesus, those things are broken off. In the name of Jesus, whoever it is, so shall it be. And immediately you start to see tremendous results flowing in. In the name of Jesus, you will know this is the reason why. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Glory to your name, Jesus. We just also thank you because you have done something in our lives through this teaching. You've helped us to trust you with our very lives. That we can trust you with our lives. Lord, even more so, we want to see these wonderful results in our lives. Even as we grow into adulthood more and more, help us not to lose our childlike faith. Help us not to, remember, not, not, not to forget that you are in control and that you are on top of our matter. You carry our matter on your head and in your heart. Help us to remember that you are intentional about us and you will never abandon us. You will never leave nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord. We trust you that much in every aspect of our life. There's no aspect. We yield every aspect of our lives 
to you to invade and to do what you do best. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.